as we are ending a series called Waiting for Christmas. Waiting for Christmas. And on the surface level, uh, the series sounds like it's centered around an idea of a group of people who are eager for a special day that celebrates a special event in the history of the world by which Jesus came to the earth in human form and God loved the world enough to send his son Jesus to this earth and he was born into a manger um, because there was no room for him in an inn and we know the Christmas story, we've heard it if we've been around church. Um, But this particular series isn't so much about waiting for a particular day of the year by which we celebrate a special event in the history of our world, but it's more about a season that some of us may be in by which we feel as though we're waiting for something in life, waiting for prayers to be answered, waiting for uh, promises to be fulfilled, waiting for things that we've been expecting to happen in our lives. And so many times that we've talked in this series, when we're in moments of waiting, when we're in seasons of waiting in life, it feels as though God is distant, and lots of times it feels as though he is silent. Uh, And we've been talking about the importance of realizing that God's silence should never be mistaken for God's absence. That when God sent his son Jesus to the earth, Emmanuel, God is with us. We can have a confidence and a trust in knowing that God is always with us no matter what situations or circumstances that we face in this life. So even on the worst of days, we can have confidence that God is with us even if it feels like he's silent when we pray and when we ask him to speak to us. Uh, And we know that he's working behind the scenes to make all things work together for our good. And so it's an awesome truth for us to embrace. And today I want to kind of take it to a last and final stage as we're ending this series. uh, Because the truth is, um, in just a few short days, there are going to be little boys and little girls who are eagerly anticipating Santa Claus showing up in their home Uh, They're going to try to stay up late at night so that they can catch him coming into the house. And they're going to be looking out windows for the reindeer, pulling the sleigh through the air. And and they're inevitably going to fall asleep and wake up in the morning and find that Santa has shown up. And the anticipation and the eagerness by which they are waiting for that should inspire us on some levels to have the same eagerness and anticipation for Jesus Christ in our lives. Because the truth is, when Jesus came... Over 2,000 years ago, uh, in Matthew, we read about uh, a prophetess named Anna, and we read about a priest named Simeon who had eagerly awaited the coming of a Savior. And they were the first, when Jesus was brought to the temple at eight days old, to embrace him and welcome him into this world. They eagerly awaited him when a world had taken for granted that he was coming. And it's easy for us just to assume that God will be around and he'll be there, but not be anticipatory in our waiting. And I want us to learn to wait well. And I want us to know what it means not to just assume that Christ will show up when he wants to, but to expect him to show up in our lives. For those of us who have been praying prayers for long times and we've been asking God for things over and over, maybe it's a family member who doesn't know Jesus. Maybe it's a situation in our job or family. It's easy for us to pray prayers and just kind of sit back and say, you know, God will do what God wants to do, which is true, right? He's God. But I want us to learn to wait with anticipation and eagerness, saying today could be the day that God answered my prayers. Today could be the day that God comes through for me, that he shows up in a way that I've been expecting. And I want us to learn to wait with an eagerness and an anticipation. Because here's the truth that we're going to land on today. 
is that just like over 2,000 years ago when God sent his son Jesus, there's coming a day, and many believe it's sooner than later. I'm in that camp, and for hundreds of years, people have been in that camp thinking that it'll be sooner than later. But there's coming a day when Jesus Christ will return to the earth. We know that he lived a sinless life here on the earth, that he, he gave his life as a ransom for all mankind, that he was crucified on a cross, that he was buried, and three days later he was raised from the grave, and he walked with his disciples for 40 days, and he ascended to be with the Father in heaven where he is seated now at the right hand of God the Father. But there's coming a day when God's going to look over at Jesus and say, it's time to go get my people. And the eastern sky is going to split, and Jesus is going to come riding on a white horse, and he's going to go and come to this earth, and he's going to take us who are alive and remain, and those who are dead and past, who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ to be with him in a glorious new heaven and earth that we will enjoy for eternity with him. And that's a glorious day. And so we should live with anticipation that there's coming a rescue from this world that we live in. That there's coming a day where there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more anxiety, there'll be no more life circumstances or situations that cause us to feel defeated. That we will live in the very presence of Christ in an eternal home with him forever and ever. And that is something that we should eagerly await and expect. But here's what happens anytime we talk about this in church. Some of you have already felt this tension of, that's a really cool thing, but I really love my life, right? I remember as a child when I would hear that Jesus is going to come back, and as glorious as it will be to be in heaven, I thought, you know, I want to get married one day. You know, I want to have kids and a family. You know, I've got dreams here on this earth that I want to be fulfilled, and I want to live life well. Now, when I get into my 80s and my 90s, and when I pass that 100 mark and life isn't what it used to be, then Jesus, you can come back and rescue me then, because I'll be ready to go. But when we start talking about the present, the here and now, the truth and the reality that today could be the day that Jesus Christ returns, sometimes we don't get as excited. Because we feel as if we'll miss out on something in life. And I want us to learn to embrace the reality that when Jesus Christ returns to this earth, we will be ready for him. Because we will be waiting well. That we'll have no regrets when that day comes. That we'll not look at our lives and say, I wish I would have lived differently and I wish I would have been in a different place. But we can live lives with confidence that we are prepared and awaiting the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. And so with that being said, we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning and, and how we can wait well. And we're going to talk about why perhaps it is taking longer than some people anticipated for Jesus to return. But ultimately, I want us to talk about what it means for us to wait well in the midst of difficult seasons and situations that we face here in this life. I don't know if you've ever had a really bad day. Not just a day where things didn't go perfectly and you hit some traffic and you had to wait in line at McDonald's a little longer than you expected, but I'm talking about a day where uh, you just had the ultimate frustrations and it almost became comical and humorous because one thing after another led to you just feeling as though your whole life were being stripped from you. 
In just a few moments, I want to share with you the couple of weeks that my wife and I have had. Uh, I think it never fails that when I feel called to preach on a certain topic, God kind of shoves in my face the fact that I have to own what I'm giving out. And uh, I accept that. And uh, sometimes it's comical for me to realize that God kind of tests me to see if I'll own what I'm saying. And uh, this week, especially, he has in some ways. Um, but but here's, here's the situation before we go to Scripture. And we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 3, if you want to go ahead and turn there in just a few moments. When we face difficulties in this life, our mind immediately turns into our world and looks for deliverance from our world that is in chaos and is upside down. And in the moments where we need Jesus the most and in the moments where we feel the most desperate in this world, the thing that we forget is that there's a world around us. That there are people in our lives and there are people in our communities and there are people in this world that we may never even meet that, that God cares about and he has compassionate about. But we have a tendency to want him to fix us right now in this moment, because my world is in chaos. And if I can just get Jesus to fix my world, then maybe I can help fix the rest of the world. But if he'll just fix my world, it would give him a leg up because I can really help him. You ever had those feelings? Uh, God, just fix me, and then I'll help you fix them. Don't worry about them right now. Fix me because I'm in need. Like, I'm in a battle. I really need you to come through on my behalf. And when we get to those moments, we get kind of inward focused to a degree that we forget about the rest of the world. It's a dangerous place for us to be when we become so insider focused that we forget the love that Jesus has for all of humanity. And we fail to see how he even uses some of our difficult situations to impact the world around us for his glory. And so when you're facing those moments, some of you have faced those moments, some of you are coming out of those moments, maybe some of you right now are living through some situations that honestly you just feel like your world is upside down. And it can almost feel comical how bad life can get sometimes. And if that's you, or when that's you, I want to encourage you to embrace a passage of Scripture that we're going to look at as we end this series. It's found in Second Peter chapter number 3, and I want to start reading... In verse number 8, this is Peter, who was one of Jesus' disciples, who was instrumental in the launch of the early church. He says, but do not forget this one thing. Do not forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Translation, God's timetable is different from ours. When we need God to move right now, God may not sense such an urgency because he sees the grand scheme of all of eternity. And we can't see past the next day, but God sees our whole future ahead of us. And just like my son says, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And I have to say, if you say that one more time, I'm going to pull this car over. Sometimes I feel like God wants to say, just calm down and trust me, I'm in control. Just because you don't see an end to this situation doesn't mean I don't have a plan. Don't forget this one thing. With God, 
A day is like a thousand years. Something to us that seems like such a short span to God, he spreads out over thousands of years. And to us, something that seems like it takes forever. I've been praying for years. I've been seeking God for years. I've been waiting for years for God to do something in my life. To God, it's like a day. It's not so long to him. He doesn't feel weary in waiting for those things. And so we've got to remember that one thing. And then here's a truth for you. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Listen to this. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Let me read that again. This is an important verse. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. As I understand slowness, like, God, it's taken you a while to answer this prayer. I've been waiting for a long time. I feel like you're being a little slow here. You could speed things up, and it would be more beneficial to all of us. But the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some of us mistake and understand slowness. And here's, here's the truth that you got to grasp. He is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, you may not like this truth, and you might not like this fact, and you may not fully embrace what I want you to understand in the next few moments. But your difficult situations in this life aren't exactly God's biggest obstacles in this world. The fact that you have anxiety, the fact that you have worries, the fact that you have life events that are going on in your life right now that feel as though they're draining the very life out of you, God sees the grand picture and he wants the heart and souls of all men to come to repentance. So while we get so focused on our world and our finances are in shambles and, and we've got sickness and we've got bad news that we're dealing with, God is caring about the souls of all men, not wanting anyone to perish. It doesn't mean that he doesn't care about the things that are significant to you. It just means that he sees things on a different level than you see things. And when we get so entangled and so engrossed in our own world, we fail to see the heart of Jesus for humanity. We can't forget this one thing. He's not slow in keeping his promises, but his focus is a little different from our focus sometimes. We've got to own that. We've got to understand that. And we've got to embrace that because if we can embrace that, it will change the way we wait on Jesus. And we'll begin to understand that sometimes our waiting feels like it's wasted time, but... Uh, there's a pastor named Louis Giglio that wrote a book for this time of year. It's an Advent devotional book. It's called Waiting Here for You. And he said, waiting is never wasted when you're waiting on the Lord. And when you wait on Jesus to move in your life and in the lives of others, those moments are not wasted because they're moments by which we learn his heart for the world. Listen to verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief... People won't expect it fully, even though we should be anticipating it. It will come as a surprise. No one knows the day or the hour. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. 
The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. The very world that brings you frustrations and hurt and pain, here's good news for you, it's going to be destroyed one day. And all of the pain and all the cares that come with this world, they're going to be wiped away. They're not going to exist any longer. God's going to wipe them away. That's a promise. That's a good thing. Verse number 11, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? It's a good question. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward. The English Standard Version says, as you wait, as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. We should desire, God, rescue me from this earth. Rescue me from this world. All the evil, all the darkness that plagues me, rescue me from this. I anticipate you coming back. I long for you to come back. I'm eager for you to return and wipe away all the pains from my life and rescue me from this world. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So God's going to wipe away everything that's hurtful, everything that's painful, everything that causes us frustration, every circumstance that we deal with in this world. When people gossip about us and betray us and, and we hope that people will be there for us and they're not there for us and, and people do hurtful things to us and the world is rampant with evil and people steal from one another. Uh, I got a friend who planted a church in the last six months and, and just this past week, someone stole the trailer that had equipment for their church in it. You want to talk about making someone mad, you, you talk about taking something from someone that's not yours. I, I, I do not like a thief, much less when you steal from God's people and from his church. These people have given sacrificially to raise money to buy equipment, and then just like that, it's all gone. And it feels as though things are wasted. And there's coming a day where that world isn't going to exist anymore, but he's going to replace it with a new heaven and a new earth, and we ought to desire that. And that's a great thing in verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. You want some good advice this Christmas season? In this crazy world that we live in, you'll embrace this. That there is coming a day where Jesus Christ will return to this earth, and he will call out those of us who belong to him. Those who have placed faith in Jesus Christ, those who have chosen to follow him, will be rescued from this world. And those who haven't will not have such a favorable outcome. So you want some good advice? Here's, here's the advice. In, in knowing and anticipating that Jesus is coming, we ought to live godly lives. We ought to live lives that bring glory to Jesus Christ. So we ought to be ready and at peace with God so that when he comes, we're ready for him. That's what it means to wait well, that we are anticipating him to return and we're prepared for his return. I'm afraid many people are going to be like my wife and I when we get a phone call that someone's going to stop by and we're like, quick, throw everything in the closets, you know, clean up, pick up, throw this in the bedroom, shut the doors, they're coming, they're coming. And we think that we can do that with God, but he's going to come like a thief 
in the night. He's going to return at a time where we don't expect and we're either ready or we're not. And so we choose to live like we're ready now so that when he returns, we'll be at peace with him. That's great advice for us. It's great advice. Don't say I'm going to wait until a specific time and then I'm going to make some changes in my life. Live now like you're at peace with God. But here's, here's where I want to land this morning. Verse number 15, the first half, says, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. When it feels as though God is taking his time rescuing you from your world, when it feels as though God is taking his time answering prayers that you've been praying, when it feels as though God is taking his time coming through for you, please know this. Please know this. He's not slow as we understand slowness. He has a heart for people to repent and come to him. And there's coming a time where he's going to rescue us all together. And the world that we dread and the moments that we dread, we're going to be rescued from those and there'll be no more in our lives. But if that happened today, there would be people that would not be ready to meet Jesus, who would not have received the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ in this world. And so as we wait, let us wait with an anticipation, not only that Jesus will rescue us from our miseries and from our troubles, but let us wait with the heart of God for the people in our world to come to repentance. That just maybe, when I go through a difficult season or I go through a difficult moment, it can be a reminder to me that God is allowing me to stay in this flawed world because he still loves someone else enough to give them a chance to come to know him before he rescues me from this disaster of a world that I feel like I'm living in at times. And it's important for me to see beyond my world and understand his heart for the masses. How selfish would I be if all I cared about was God deliver me from my mess and I don't care about anybody else. You know, they can spend eternity separated from God. It doesn't matter because I'm tired of these struggles. I'm tired of these pains. I'm tired of these hurts. And if you'll just rescue me, then, you know, the rest of the world can deal with their own problems. Jesus doesn't work like that. His patience towards you means salvation to others. In other words, he is being patient in rescuing us from this world because he doesn't want anyone to perish. And he wants people to come to know him. And he is given the ultimate price that people can be set free from this world and from their sins. And they can receive hope in him. And, and he's waiting long enough for as many people as will to get on board with that truth. And let me share with you about the last couple of weeks that my wife and I have gone through. And sometimes when I share personal things, um, I always like to indicate to you that I don't, I don't share certain things with you because I want a response from you, okay? I'm not asking you to feel bad for me. In fact, in fact, I know there are those of you in this room that have gone through bigger things than what I'm about to share, 
I'm not trying to get you to feel sorry for me. I'm just explaining to you that when we go through moments in this life, it should remind us that there's a world outside of us that Jesus cares about even more than our insignificant problems in the grand scheme of things. Not this past week, but the last, my little two-year-old boy was playing in the living room and he had a, a plastic baseball bat and uh and we don't typically let him play with that plastic baseball bat in the house. Um, but somehow he got it, and my wife was washing dishes, and I was in the bedroom studying and doing some work for the church. And I began to hear some hitting, and I just assumed that he was, you know, hitting the walls or something. And I heard Lindsay, you know, come and saying, you know, Cohen, what are you doing? And it wasn't but three or four minutes later that my wife walked into the bedroom, and she said, don't be mad at me. It's not my fault, but your, done, your son has done something bad, and your initial response is going to, get to, is going to be to get angry, but don't do that, because everything's going to be all right. And so I thought, you know, what did he do? He, he broke something. Well, apparently, my little slugger hit our flat screen TV with a plastic bat, and the screen uh, was shot, okay? I'm not addicted to television, but it's nice to have a TV that works, I don't spend hours on end glued to the television uh, like I've done at times in my past, but it's nice when you want to watch a ball game to be able to turn on the television and know that you're going to see something. And when you go to look at it and you turn it on and all of you see is like spider webs all over the screen, you just kind of feel like, oh, why did that happen? Been dealing with sickness the last couple of weeks. My whole family has been sick over the last couple of months. Uh, last week, I had to go to urgent care because I just could not shake uh, some coughing and got put on some medication, and it hasn't gotten better, and I've been frustrated with that. And I don't know how you are when you're sick, but when I'm sick, um, I'm like a helpless child that can't really do a lot, and uh, that's just a fault of mine that I need to get over at times. But I just have had a week where I've just not really felt like doing much. And anything and everything becomes annoying when you're in those moments. And you tend to yell more than you should, and you tend to show less grace than you should, and you tend to, say, you tend to stay frustrated more than you should. And any little thing sets you off. And I've kind of had one of those weeks. Uh, I work in a part-time job where the hours have increased at this point in the year, and so I've been tireder than normal. I've been a little fatigued and haven't gotten a lot of sleep, and so I've been irritable, and we've had a few scuffles and fights here and there along the way. And this past Friday, actually it was Thursday, I guess, my wife comes in and she says, you know, the car is something's just not right with the car, and you know, I'm like, well, you just don't know how to drive. It's fine. And so I went and drove the car, and I'm like, there's something not right with the car. we got to take this to the shop. And um, it became worse and worse throughout the week. And by Thursday when I got it, Friday when I got it to the shop, I found out that the transmission is shot on a vehicle that we just paid off in August. We have loved not having a car payment. It's been incredible to have that cushion in our budget for once and not feel as strained financially. And then we get the news that in addition to a transmission that shot, the timing change need to be replaced as well. Uh, there's always, for the last year, there's been this little light on the dash and I'm just like, 
I'm not one to overreact to things, you know, and so I just didn't take it in, but apparently that light meant something. I've got a 2003 Impala that has all kind of lights, and I feel like it's Christmas year-round, and so I kind of like the lights, and I just ignored the lights, and uh, we could have taken it in when that light came on, and it was still under warranty, but we didn't, and so I found out that in addition to a transmission, we're going to have to have timing change replaced with a grand total coming from the shop, which uh, is a little inflated, in my opinion, of about $7,000. And uh, it's Christmas time, and we like to buy presents for our kids, and we feel as though that is a large sum of money for our family in this moment. And so that was really bad news. And literally, uh, after I got off the phone with the shop, about an hour later, I got a phone call from our tenants. We have a condo in Athens that we rent out, and apparently the hot water heater went out in the condo. And uh, we were putting up some Christmas decorations, and I just started laughing. I looked at my wife, and I was like, you know, what else is going to go wrong? Like, I mean, what, what else can go wrong? Like, it, was kind of, it was kind of funny. I don't know what else to do except laugh. That's my way of stop, to stop from crying, I guess. But I feel as in the last two weeks, our life has somewhat fallen apart. I, I felt like we were in a really good place, and all of a sudden we've taken some steps back. And here's the frustrating part to me is I feel like this is not fair for our family. Have you ever felt that way? It's not really fair. You know, other people might deserve this kind of thing, but us, I mean, come on. We're good people. We do nice things. We stand for, for good in this world. We should get rewarded. And the bad people, they should get all the transmission blowouts. They should get all the timing chain replacements. They should have to go and fix water heaters, not us. We should be like the children of Israel when they were in the desert and their shoes never wore out for 40 years. Like that's, That should be us, right? We're good people. It hasn't been like that. We've got the Christmas offering coming up, and we were planning on what we were going to give. and It's just a way that we feel like we're being tested and and maybe God's saying, are you still going to give what you said you were going to give? And uh, the answer to that is yes, and we're just going to figure things out. But in the midst of it all, in the midst of it all, here's what I realized. That my need to figure out a vehicle situation, that my need to fix a water heater, that my need to get over a sickness, that my need to have a new television, which... Just so you know, this is how God works. Uh, there was actually someone in our church that had a brand new 47-inch television that they had recently won at an event, and it was sitting in their basement, and they weren't using it. And we got a phone call that said, I heard your TV was broken. Come pick one up. And it's a better TV. And so part of me stepped back and said, you know, we got a nice TV because of, you know, something good came out of the bed. And I'm like, okay, so is somebody going to give us a new car now? I'm just kidding. That's not going to happen. <laughs> God has a way of turning things in our lives around and showing us that he's faithful to us when we want to give up on things. But here's what I realized this week, especially last night as I was just laying in bed and thinking about all the decisions that we have to make in the next couple of weeks. This, this is what I was thinking about. My need for fixing a transmission and a timing change and water heaters and televisions and sickness, it feels overwhelming. But compared to someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ, compared to someone who has a, a future ahead of them that will spend an eternity in a literal place called hell, 
separated from the love of God forever because they failed to invest their life and their faith into a free gift that came in Jesus Christ. My little problems are insignificant. And God not rescuing me from my problems is a great thing because what it means is he's being patient with other people who have more significant needs than I have. And in the midst of my hurt and in the midst of my pain, I have to have a compassion that Jesus has for the world and say that there are men and there are women and there are students who have spiritual needs that far supersede any material possession that I have in this world. Who cares about a transmission? Who cares about a television? Who cares about being sick for a couple of weeks when there are people who need salvation in this world? God is not slow in keeping his promises. You see, he just thinks of things a little different than we do. And he sees a, a lost and a dying world that he has compassion for when we fail to have compassion for them. And when we get so centered around our transmissions and our televisions and our finances and our sickness and our health, we forget that he's working in this world. He hasn't forgotten about us. He's just being patient because he doesn't want to rescue us from the misery of this world without bringing as many people as he can with him. How are you waiting during this Christmas season? How is your heart for people who don't know Jesus? And what insignificant things, in light of the grand condition of this earth, do we need to submit to God's plan during this time in our lives? And I'm just convinced that we'll find a way to have a car to drive. I'm just convinced that I won't cough forever. And I'm just convinced that just like God provided us a new television, that he's going to take care of our family. But my heart shouldn't be centered around those things. It should be centered around a love that is available to every man and woman if they'll simply choose to receive it. God's patience means salvation. Your waiting well on the Lord actually gives grace to those who need it most. And so while you're waiting, remember, I'm going through this because God wants people to be able to receive grace. And I can help with that. And I can shift my focus from myself to others and play a part and a role in his story. Some people think that Jesus is never going to come back. They've been hearing for years. They've heard their grandparents talk about it. They've heard their parents talk about it. He's going to come back one day. And it could be today. So we've got to live our lives as godly men and women. We've got to be prepared and at peace with God. And we've got to understand that his patience means salvation to others. So when we go through difficult things in this world, Let's not give up and lose heart. Let's not lose sight and focus of the fact that Jesus wants to do some incredible things in this earth, in us and through us. And I think specifically, even next Sunday evening, we have an opportunity to see God do some amazing things in our midst if we'll get our eyes off of ourselves and see his heart for this world. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for all that you're doing in us and through us. And even when we don't see 
your ability to come through for us in certain situations. We trust that you're working behind the scenes and your silence doesn't equal your absence and you are with us. And we have an opportunity to partner with you in this world to extend grace to people who need it most. And as we wait and as we're tested and as we go through trials, I pray that we would never become so inward focused that we forget your heart for the world There's coming a day, and I look forward to it, and I await it when we're going to be rescued from all the evil that we face on a daily basis. But until that day comes, Lord, we'll be reminded by that evil that you still have a heart for people to repent and to receive salvation. And we trust that you'll use us along the way to extend hope to a hopeless world, even when we feel hopeless ourselves. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, Amen.